Well, they may be zombified, pain-worshipping, backwards idiots, but there are zombified, pain-worshipping, backwards idiots. Welcome to the Nightlight Podcast. Turn on the light when things go bump in the night. Welcome to another episode of the Nightlight Podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Megan. And I screwed that up because I should have said welcome to the Nightlight Podcast after we did that. It's okay. But that's fine. Things happen. Uh, Things definitely happen. We're still fairly new at this. So uh, what's going on? Oh, not much. You know, the huge. The huge. Planning a summer vacation to a cabin. To a cabin. In in the woods. In the woods. In a wooded area. Oh, that'll be nice. You know, get away from from it all. I, I mean, let's be honest. This does not do wood stuff. I am a full plumbing. Yep, you could type of glamping. Gal. You could go glamping. Oh, oh no! I trust me. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> there you go. I love nature. I also mm-hmm. love going home to a nice clean bed and some showers. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think anybody can fault you for that. But uh, what's our movie this week, Meg? Our movie this week is The Cabin in the Woods. <gasps> Shocker. 2011. So I did some of the research on this movie. Awesome. So The Cabin in the Woods. It is directed by Drew Goddard, who mm-hmm. also was the writer of probably our favorite movie, Kristen. He wrote Cloverfield. He wrote Cloverfield? He wrote Cloverfield. <gasps> oh, guys, I we're s- amping up the Cloverfield love. We're going to have to do it soon. I, I, I saw that and I was like, Clovey. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it was produced by Josh Whedon and it was written by both Goddard and Whedon, who had previously worked together on Buffy and Angel. Cool. I just like to take this time to point out while I do love this movie, I do not condone the actions of Josh Whedon. No. I know currently he's under a lot of fire. Scandal for, noted and acknowledged. Right. For the treatment of his actresses. Actors, absolutely. And um, as a woman as a person i do not condone but the actions. guy who called the person who called him out was a guy right so yeah but then he's charisma, just an all-around dick is what but, we're but then charisma carpenter had that yeah, whole, about the way she was and treat- then, you know everybody came out uh, so and it's um it. right so i love this movie i appreciate this movie i separate it from yeah no what couldn't be considered a negative influence on it right i personally feel very strongly that Separating the art from the artist is a personal case-by-case thing. I think as long as you acknowledge the wrongdoing, that it was wrongdoing, that you don't support it, you can feel how you want to feel about the art. Right. I mean, it's this, it's the same thing with J.K. Rowling and her absolutely yeah, horrible Like statements. any of these people, honestly. Like, if you ha- like Harry Potter means a lot to our generation because of how influential it was and you're gonna love it and put meaning into harry potter that is totally separate and apart from what jk rowling believes or doesn't believe so you know that that i do truly feel very strongly about it because i think people get judgy and i'm like as long as you acknowledge that you do not agree with certain things and you have a connection to this film that's completely separate and apart from that person right i think you're fine right so um the movie was originally re- released in December 2011 at a um, film festival called But Numathon. But Numathon? But Numathon. Like N U M B, like numb your butt? Yeah. 
Okay. But then its official United States release was in April 13th, 2012. The film was actually originally filmed in, I'm sorry, my sources are from Wikipedia. And when I get to a different source, I will let you know. Awesome. It was filmed in 2009 and originally released, slated to be released in 2010, but was shelved due to MGM's financial issues. It was eventually picked up by Lionsgate, which thankfully, because otherwise we would never have this movie. Yeah, we wouldn't have it. Um, it was very well received by most critics. It has a 92% rate on rot- Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and then this is from Mental Floss. It was Goddard, who helped write it and directed it, was very much inspired by the nuclear work at Los Alamos. Okay. Because that's where he grew up. And he felt like there would be these scientists and workers mm-hmm. who dealt with horrible things. Right. And they were just walking around having cups of coffee. Like, they were yeah. going about their day. And he's right. They and like, probably did. Right. And that, like, you you can feel that in this film. Absolutely like, the normalcy. Like, juxtaposition. Right. And um, it made me really think, because it, it brings into people, like, what do you become sensitized to? Desensitized mm-hmm. to? What do you become like, numb to? how do you justify what it is you do? Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. And it's like, you see these horrors... Um, I mean, not necessarily in the terms of nuclear weapons, but like in terms of the movie, like you see these horrors and you know, therefore, the benefit of it's like the sacrifice of five to benefit mm-hmm. to benefit the whole, the whole world. world. It's like that that parable, like you know, there's a train coming, right? The trolley do you problem. Kill the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. Do you kill the one person or do you kill five people? Right. Um, and this I thought was an interesting tidbit. The the studio that did the uh, prosthetics and the makeup and the monsters mm-hmm. effects was AFX studio. Um, it's run by David Leroy Anderson and his wife, Heather oh. Latin camp. Okay. Do you know that name? Latin camp, Latin camp, L A G E N K A M P. Latin camp. No. Do I secretly know who it is? She's played, she played Nancy in the nightmare in the Elm street franchise. Oh, I've never seen that. You have never I've seen never it? I've never seen it. No. Really? We'll have to do it for the podcast, but I've never, yeah. What makes you think that I would have seen that? So she's like, she's like, you know, it's, it's community. She's like a final girl. Okay. Like, you know, so she's so. like, a, yeah. Now I get the it. cabin in the, the cabin that. in the woods really like plays off of, of this. Of horror tropes. Of horror tropes. Um, so, That's funny though. <laughs> also, and this is what I thought was interesting. Chris Hemsworth filmed mm-hmm. this movie before both, before both Red Dawn and, and Thor. So MGM signed him on to film Red Dawn after seeing the dailies of this film. And he landed the role of Thor like a couple days after that all happened. But due to the financial issues at MGM, Thor ended up being released first. Oh, wow. It it makes me laugh because when we were doing The Ring, remember Mm. how we were talking about there's a lot of pre-famous people in this movie? So, like, this was supposed to be one of those movies that, like, you would have gone back two years later and been like, oh, my God, it's Thor. Yeah. But because of the financial issues, it's like, oh, my God, Thor did a horror movie. Yeah, (laughs) Thor did this kind of, like, smaller horror movie. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about it for my research. I, very, very nice, cool. Like a nice, con- concise research. I mean, I just, I love this movie mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, I've never seen this before, and we'll get into how I feel about it, but I know Megan loves it. I literally will watch this movie. Whenever. Whenever. Wherever we're meant whenever, to be together. Whenever, whenever, whenever we're meant to be together. <laughs> okay, we can't do, do and, that too and, much of that. And it's not before. just because of Chris Hemsworth. Because if I want to watch a movie that's just because yeah, of Chris Hemsworth, watch I'll watch Thor. Thor Dark World. Yeah. 
No, of course not. I just love it. I love, I, oh gosh, I just, I will get to it more then, but I just love the way it's done. I love cliches mm-hmm. being turned on a Ted. I love yeah. seeing like the wool pulled back from people's eyes. Yep. I, I, I just love it. I mm-hmm. love it. Now I get you. I get you. So. But wait a minute. Do, do, how, how do you really feel though? How do you really feel? <laughs> I'm middling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Um, so we start with this like creepy blood mm-hmm. revealing like these sacrifices, like the ancient idea of a sacrifice. Right. And um and it's like then we get this cold open to like enjoy a nice cup of coffee. Yeah, it's like I a water cooler it. scene I in it. <laughs> because like they talk about like on IMDb, they talked about how they purposely filmed the scene to make people think they walked into a wrong movie. I saw this movie in theaters. That's funny. And literally, so you get that blood reveal in the sacrifices, and it's like yeah. enjoy a nice cup of coffee. And it's like these two guys talking, and mm-hmm. I swear to God, I was like, Are we in the right movie? <laughs> But I mean, with the the body part, you had to know. But you know how, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did they just, like, accidentally switch the wrong film on? That's really funny. Um, I was just like, oh, this is interesting. It it is a hard pivot. Like, it's like a hard cut. You're like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, so you've got these two guys played by Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins, and they're, um, it's like a water cooler thing, and they're talking about Bradley Whitford, like, and his wife were trying to have a baby, so right. they're baby-proofing, like, his whole house, and he's, like, complaining about that. Um, and then they end up, you can tell, like, they're at some kind of weird facility, because they walk right. out of there, down this hallway, and then this woman who works with them comes up to them and is Played training. by Amy Acker. Oh, I don't know who that is. Is she in something that I would know? Um, <laughs> well, let me see if she's in something you would know. Oh, okay. I just was, like, when I saw Bradley Whitford, I was like, oh, what's his name from the West Wing? <laughs> Josh. Josh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like all very professional and they're having like a conversation that you would have with someone at the right, office. Right. You know? And you get little bits and pieces of like things that are going on. Like, because you're talking about the Japan. Right. So, like, different Amy, Ar- Amy Acker's character, Lynn, like mentions that there's some, been some failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like them in Japan. Um, Who are the best ones right now? Right. Like, really doing the work. And like they say, well, you know, we've always been, we've always been good. Like yeah. we're number two. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Japan has never failed, and we're number two. And right, um, she, you never saw Angel, did you? Uh, I watched some of Angel. Yeah, so she was an Angel. She's okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I was Sorry, just wondering. <laughs> I was just wondering because you you brought her up, but I guess because I mentioned the actors, you just wanted to mention the actor. Um, I just. Again, it was just really seeing Bradley Whitford. I was like, oh, he's in this movie? Um, sorry, where was I? Yeah. Oh, and he's like, they imply like, oh, you're not going to join the bed and pool. And then they're, yeah. s- they're still talking. And he's like, you want to come over for a beer? And then we get title card. Yeah, they get into like this um, like this uh, little golf cart and they're yeah. s- speeding away. And then you get this like huge title card, this big jolting sound. And it's like, the cabin in the woods. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we cut to uh, these sort of young, very attractive, they, they're in college kids at this house, and you see this redhead first, and you learn that her name is Dana, and she's, like, not wearing pants or anything. She's supposed yeah. to be, like, really, like, sexy. But we see her, like, packing, and yeah, then she has this moment when up. she, like, fawns over, like, a mm-hmm. picture. Like, she drew, drew a picture of somebody with glasses. Yeah. 
And then Jules comes in. Yeah, her, her roommate slash friend. Yeah. And she's apparently dyed her hair blonde. So they make a big deal out of that. And then she talks about how Dana, like the the person that Dana was fawning over was some professor that she had been right. involved with. And who has ended their relationship. Yeah, and that she's got to get over it. <laughs> um, And that like, oh, you know, her boyfriend, Kurt, is bringing his friend Holden. Mm-hmm. And like, it's implied that it's a setup. Yeah. And then we meet her boyfriend, Kurt. Who is played by, by Chris, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Very, very mm-hmm. attractive Chris Hemsworth. Talk about getting your jimmies in a ruffle. I love Chris Hemsworth so He's much. So hot. <laughs> so much. That man is so attractive. Oh my god. So attractive. I, 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 you could probably sit here and listen to listen to me talk to an hour for an hour about how attractive Chris Hemsworth is. You want to do it? Let's <laughs> do it. It's the Chris Hemsworth hour. Den- Dennis needs to edit this. He will kill me. <laughs> My husband looks very similar to Chris Hemsworth. He's tall and blonde. He is. That is very true. <laughs> With blue eyes. With yep. light eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, while... He'll probably edit while that While Megan out. gets her jimmies settled, um, Chris Hemsworth comes in, and he, you know, is obviously with Jules, and they're very flirty, and they... they they pretend fight because it's a thing that they do. But he walks in by throwing a football, so like it's established. Oh, yeah, that, it's established and, that he's and he it goes out the window and Holden, the guy who's coming with him, mm-hmm. catches it. So it's established that they're both they're like football jocks. players, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, him and Jules have a great relationship. Yeah, it's a cute little relationship yeah. where they they mock fight with each other, and right. then she leaves, and then it's implied that like. Uh, Dana is very, very collegiate and she wants to read like these econ books or whatever. And it's also Kurt says that she should read another book that he has. So he's obviously like, he's a jock, but he's also intellectual. Right. So it's implied that they're both. And later we find out that Jules is pre-med, that these are smart students. Like they're they're collegiate. They're not just like partiers or stuff like that, Um, which later gets played into like the stereotypes of the horror movie and how they kind of change it a bit. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, so they're like loading. They're all going up for a weekend to a at, cabin. At the cabin that to Kurt's, Kurt's cousin's, cousin's cabin. cabin, and we meet. They go downstairs. Um, they're getting in the RV. We meet their friend Marty. Yep. Who pulls up smoking a bong. He's like smoking a bong in his car whilst he is driving. You can tell that he's very kind of... And he's played by Fran Kranz, who I know... I feel like he has a little bit of a cult following, that actor. I don't really I know, know. You know, it's funny. I think he was also an angel. He was also in The Dollhouse. But like people talk the about him like he's like this great him. actor that he's been in a ton of things. And not that I don't... I don't think he's a bad actor by mm-hmm. any means of the world. I think he's a good actor. I'm just like... What have I seen him in? Like, you know? Yeah, I don't know. He's got like, he definitely does have that where people are like, Fran Grands. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've yeah, enjoyed him. I enjoy him in this movie a lot. But um, yeah. But you can tell he's just like the stoner guy and he's very yeah. philosophical too. Um, and he comes and they get into an RV. Well, first he collapses his bong into a coffee oh, cup. Into a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It looked like a coffee cup slash like, telescope slash bongs it was like very strange (laughs) um but yeah they get into the rv and this is where the real horror of the movie starts yep because you cut to that guy on the roof of the house oh no i was talking about the rv rvs are death traps oh i had to watch when i had my research for my uh 
my uh, I am a certified child passenger safety technician. Yes. So um, when I had to do my research, I, I I had to watch a bunch of like videos. Oh no! I, I oh, watched some no. RV testing. Death on the highway. <laughs> oh my god! No, no! Like I had to watch some RV testing, oh, god. like safety testing and like the crash testing and like car seats and stuff like that in a. Oh Ooh, no! Boy, let's oh, just put it. No. I literally walked out after I was done. And I was like. I am never getting in an RV. Like you cannot pay me to get into an oh, RV because no. like only the two front seats have seat belts, really. And like, oh god, uh, some of them don't have like a steel bumper. And it's oh, Kristen. They get into this RV, and I was like, "You're gonna die! You're gonna die in a car accident." Mm. They're fine. They're fine. Just like little Danny, the no oh, seat belts in, no in the shining. <laughs> and it's funny. What was I watching? I was watching a Simpsons episode, uh-huh. and it was the one when Homer becomes the food critic. Okay, so he, it, it, you know, it starts out that he takes them to like their um, field trip. Yes, and they're supposed to go to like the paper, but he accidentally takes them to the zoo. But he has yes, he yes, has yes. Lisa in the front seat, uh, Martin, not Martin, um, Nelson, Nelson, Milhouse, and Bart in the back seat, uh-huh. and you can see Bart and Nelson are seatbelts in and Millhouse isn't and like he's top short to basically oh, make yeah, Millhouse yeah. falls. I don't know why I just thought of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm always up for some simple <laughs> That was just I'm just saying. Megan gets That's very funny. concerned about She wants everybody built in. I just want guys. people to be safe on the road. Yes. Make sure you are wearing your seatbelt. Do not get an RV. Be safe. Yes. Safe enough. Oh so anyway. This is when the real horror starts because there's a dude on the roof going, Yeah. They're gone. <laughs> yeah, he like has an IFB in his ear and he like talks to somebody. And you're like, what is going on here? So, um what am I So it's like we see them driving and they're driving through this wooded area and it's um they talk oh, about they how they're to, before that they cut to back to Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins and they're like getting ready for something. They're in this whole big room. Mm-mm. I have that note right here. That doesn't happen yet. We get Jules saying this place is not worthy of global positioning. Their oh. GPS isn't working. Okay. And then we cut to um Hadley and Sitterson, which is Oh yeah. Because they're Those are their actual they're walking into this like control room. Uh-huh. Um because we have and Marty, like, does this whole thing about, like, you know, GPS and, like, everyone wants to know where you are and, like, basically, like, we're being tracked constantly. Then we have them go into the control room where we meet the security guy who Dennis Tr- called Dokes. Truman? I d- d- we called him surprise motherfucker for, like, a good 15 minutes. Like the tall black guy you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. I think his name is Truman. In the I movie. know, but because he has the mustache and the bald head, he reminded yeah. Dennis of Sergeant Dokes from Dexter. Oh, And yes. he kept saying, Dennis is not Sergeant Dokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I you know when, he's, when he comes that. around, he's like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and goodness. then which led to me going, surprise, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. These guys. Deep fries, motherfucker. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that was like a 15-minute thing that Dennis really did not need for me. Um, <laughs> so we get a uh, security and like he like checks their ID and they kind of get the control panel up. And this is why it made me laugh because like Marty's like, oh, everyone wants to track you. And we see that they are tracking them. Yeah, that they are tracking them. And that they do them. have GPS on them. So like it's not like. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So there's like an, an implication that the GPS isn't working. Right, because but is, because they're 
like it's shorted out by the people. And it's also important to note, I think that Truman um, is new. Yes, Truman is first day or something like that. And they're like, Are you aware what's going to happen here? Right. And he's like, I've been briefed. Mm hmm. There's going to be no prepped. And there's going to be like, no su- surprises here. There's a difference between prepped and prepared, or something. Yeah. He says to him, it's, um, I, "I don't quite know what that difference is." So the kids pull up to the gas station. Oh yeah, creepy gas station is creepy. So yeah, and it's rural, and there's like a um, freaking Confederate flag in the window, so like it implies that it's really hicky out here. And, um, you know, the guy ends up surprising Holden, who is the one person of color in the main cast. And uh, he ends up coming out and he's like kind of insulting them and being like weird to them. Um, He eventually does give them gas, though. And he says, like, you have enough to get yourself there, but getting out is your problem. And he is kind of a jerk to Jules. He calls her a whore. and Marty makes a great age joke. He's like, I've been here since the war. And Marty's like, was, that, war? was that the war with the men in the gray and the blue and brothers fighting against brother? brother yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great lines in this movie. Yeah. That's so- why I love it so much. I love me some snappy dialogue. Mm-hmm. I love Mega loves the sass guy. She loves I the love sass. people sassing off. That's why I like Marty so much, because he just sasses yeah. off. Oh, he's the sassiest. He he is the sassiest. He's, he's a, a sassy he's a, little, he's a little sassy man of that. Little sassy my little my little sassy boy. <laughs> um uh, so then they're driving up to the mountains, and this is where you first see the shield. Oh yes, around. but this road is very precarious. Oh yes. Oh, and I write my note in here says Fucking shining shot strikes again. Because oh. you're getting the, the aerial shot of them going through the winding road in the woods. People love that shining shot. <laughs> um, and then it's very precarious, like you said, on the side of a mountain. And they go through a tunnel and you see a bird like crash into the digital sort of shield that's around wherever they are now. And then we see this cabin for the first time. Which, I've never actually seen Evil Dead, but I've seen things from it, and I'm pretty sure that that's what that cabin is supposed to look like, is the Evil Dead cabin. Believe it or not, right after this movie came out, there was an Evil Dead remake, Uh and Dennis and I saw it. We went to go see it. Yeah, I remember when that came out. And um, it made me laugh, because it's literally like all the cliches that they make fun of. It's literally the same cliches that they make fun of in this movie. So funny. And it like kind of made it a little less scary, because it's like... Oh, yeah. In my head, I was just like... Wait, this is the same thing I just saw, but it's not tongue-in-cheek. Oh, so actually, it was released almost a year later. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I was like, this is what happens in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And they go inside, like, uh, Dana goes inside of it, and I note that it's just, like, it's very big inside for what you see outside. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems really small, but it goes back really but far. But we don't really see how far it goes back. We right. kind of just see the facade. Yeah. Um, Jules makes a comment that it's full, if it's full of spiders, she's sleeping in the Rambler, which mm-hmm. is what they're called, the, the RV. The RV, yeah. And the, gram- the cabin is <laughs> decorated... I put it this way. Creepy grandpa decor. <laughs> yes, I would I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's like they claim their rooms and there's linens on the bed already, which I would be changing those linens. Yeah. Because you don't know how long they've been sitting there for. Yeah, you really don't. That's the real horror, not changing the linens. Bed bugs are the real horror, everybody. Um, and we get Holden in his room and he sees this picture and it's like carnage. 
It's yeah, literally it's like a like really carnage. weird carnage picture. Art. So he like takes painting of gross. He takes yeah. it down, and it turns out there's two way two way mirror behind it. Mm-hmm. And Dana is it's it's like Dana's room, and she's staring into the mirror, and he sees this, and he's like, oh, oh my god! But he keeps watching her, and she has sort of like a look on her face, like she doesn't know what to think about what's going on. And well, then she, she looks almost like sad, like yeah, you know, kind of sad. And then she, of course, starts undressing because, of course, that's what this two-way mirror is, is going to do. And I literally wrote, knock on it, weirdo. And then he does. He finally stops her before she completely takes her shirt off and does the right thing. But for a second there, he's not going to. <laughs> uh, so they end up, they all end up investigating the two-way mirror and he offers to switch rooms And Marty has a great line, because he's like, well, you know, it was the pioneer times. These people had to make their own interrogation rooms. <laughs> I don't know why. I just love He's so great. He's so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> I love me a sassy boy. But Holden is a decent guy. And he's like, yeah, we should switch. Switch rooms, yeah. But he, this is where he mentions that he was like having a debate, like whether he should have told her, yeah, and like yeah. they're doing he's like this, about it. they're doing like this little flirty they're joking flirty. thing, and he, she goes, oh, so you must have some internal bleeding, and he's like, yeah, and she's like, well, you should have Jules check that out. She's pre man. <laughs> yeah, and I actually wrote they're cute together, but she's a little like awkward, and then she goes back to the room, and the painting's still down, so she starts watching him. He takes his shirt off, which I like, I don't know. And uh, he's very attractive. Um, he's very, like, muscly. And I was kind of like, it kind of looked like he probably looked like that underneath the shirt. But she seems pretty surprised by it. Uh, so she puts the painting back up and notices that it's gross. And, and it's she like, covers her with yeah, the blanket. with the thing. Um, so we see that um, the guys are, uh, Sitterson and Hadley are monitoring the cabin. They mentioned that there was a room switch. Um, Lynn comes in and they talk about how they're kind of manipulating the situation. And this I thought was mm-hmm. great. They point out that they're slowing down Jules' cognition right. via her hair dye, which, yep. you know, and we we were just told, like, she's smart. She's pre-med. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not a stupid person yeah, you if you're going into medicine. Um, so we can see that they're kind of, like, forcing them into these roles. Yes, they're, they're, they're manipulating the whole thing. Right. And then um, they're down there when... The Harbinger, which is that creepy guy yes. from the gas station calls. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is actually Mordecai. Uh-huh. Um, and like the guy on the line is like, he's like, can you take a message? And the guy on the line is like, he's a little scary. Yeah, no, I can't take a message right now. <laughs> so like he, they pick up the phone and they have him on speaker and he's like really intense. It's like the lambs had been led to slaughter. Yep. And he's like all this ancient sort of speak mm-hmm. and like kind of crazy. But then he's like, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> I can hear the echo. That is so rude. But he refers to um, both Marty and Dana by uh, Marty and Jules as the fool and the whore. Yeah. So like, I don't think I picked up on that right away. Yeah. So we kind of have like the idea that um, they're being forced into like into some certain roles. Um, And I also think that the fact that she dyes her hair blonde in the first place is like because I feel like blonde, like the blonde cheerleader type, is right. Even more so the archetype that they're yeah. going for well basically it's like you know the blonde is the whore and the brunette lives right well she's a redhead well the color that's not blonde <laughs> brunette adjacent i mean have you ever seen scream 
I have, but been a long time. So, like, time. they talk about, like, the rules of horror movies, right, and right, it's right, like, right. you know, if you're... That's the predecessor to movies like this. Right. Um, and Mordecai talks about, like, the ancient ones, and they kind of just, like, laugh at him. They think yeah. he's being, like, super intense, and... Right. And he's like, don't take this lightly, boy. Yeah, which they really shouldn't be. Right. But again, it comes back to, like, the desensitization, and yep. it's implied that this is something they've done a lot. So, yep. like, they feel Absolutely. confident. They know there's only ever been one mix-up with them. Yeah. Like, they've only ever had one issue, so. Yeah. So then we get this lake scene where Holden and Dana jump into the lake. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of, even with my limited knowledge, I wrote down, is this, like, the Jason movie because like that can't crystal lake they're they're doing that but again i think it's supposed to pay like an an homage homage to it that you know like all these horror movies are basically like saying so formulaic yeah well not only that but like this is why this has happened because right this is what you're expected right to do um and we get chris hemsworth shirtless yes we do Megan, Megan is uh, taking a moment for herself. It's it's the best part in the whole movie. Gotta tell you, <laughs> one of the best parts in the whole movie. No, mainly because he's like, "What's that in the water?" And they're all like, "Where? Where?" He's oh, like, yeah, they're all there's something out. in the water, mm. and they're like, "What? Stop it!" And he's like, "There's something in the water. It 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 looks like my girlfriend." And then, and he, then he pushes, pushes her, her in. in. It's so, it really is funny. <laughs> and then he jumps in, and they're like play fighting, and he's like, "Don't hurt the gorgeous yeah. man! Don't hurt the gorgeous man!" Yeah, and then and then they cut back to the facility. I just called it the facility the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and they're betting. And yes. I wasn't sure what they were betting on at the time, so I wrote down that they're betting on the kids' survival. But that doesn't turn out to be what it is. But you don't know quite yet. Um, but the security guy is not amused by this whole thing. Yeah, Truman doesn't want to yeah. play, and he's like. He's like, how can this be? He like makes a comment that he doesn't think it's because like that they're how could they bat if they're manipulating the situation? And Hadley explains it. He goes, it's all free will, you know, that you stop at the Harbinger and he basically says, you're going to die up there. Mm -hmm. And then like then he mentions it's their choice to go into the basement. Right. You know, we help them along. Mm -hmm. But everything is their choice. Right. Um, Absolutely. And then we have this great line. I th- I can't remember Sitterson or Hadley who says that they say, if they don't transgress, they can't be punished. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, we find out later that they choose their demise. Yeah. And- mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're basically betting on how they're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're basically betting on which monster. Which monster they're going to choose, choose to go after them. So then we see the college students are all partying and playing truth or dare. Mm-hmm. Truth or dare. I don't know who said truth or dare. <laughs> dare. Um, and Marty is high and dares Jules to make out with the, the moose. Oh, yeah. He says the moose. And everyone's like, Marty, have you ever seen a moose? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's right there. And they're like, that's a wolf. Yeah. Every- literally, that's wolf, dude. Like, that's wolf. Yeah. <laughs> like you could you'd have to be like high out of your mind to even know to even think that it was a moose but he thinks it is um but things i didn't need in this movie the wolf makeout scene yeah they really she goes super hardcore like she like sucks its tongue yeah and it's been real looking like the wolf like looks like not like like it looks like the tongue is a t- like you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and it's so weird like it's it's kind of funny how committed she is to it but it's a little bit too much 
Um, and then after this whole wolf makeout scene, we kind of get like Jules is like, oh, Dana. And we kind of get Kurt being a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, you're going to pick Dare and she's going to dare you to do so. Yeah. And, but like there's this whole thing like what we saw in the beginning of the movie that he's like, he likes Dana. Like yeah, he's nice friends. to Dana. They're friends. So it's yeah. like, again, like that manipulation so of the situation. Absolutely. And like, you know, as she picks Dare, the cellar door bangs yeah, open. Immediately bangs open. And they dare her to go down. Yes. Basically that since she was forced into a dare by his mockery, she they dare her to go down into right. the into the basement. And then they all go. So like, well, because because she screams, she gets oh, freaked yeah, out yeah. down there. Yeah, because she sees like a painting or something. Did yeah, that she, girl look like her? Like no, the it was the girl who was eventually it zombie. Was pa- it was patience. Those, patience. Yeah, yeah, okay. But she kind of turned around. And she saw it, and it was like um, it, it scared her because like she thought it was scare, a person. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So they all go down in the basement, and and Marty like clearly does not want to be down there. Yeah, he's like, "Can we all go back upstairs, please? Like, can we please go back upstairs?" Yeah, and and then they immediately go into they become they each become obsessed with a portion of the of the basement marty's like i dare you all to go back upstairs yeah but they all see something like there's a lot of crap in the basement there's a lot of things and like dolls and and artifacts like somebody makes a comment they're like kurt your cousin's into weird shit and he's like i don't think this is all my cousins yeah so like we see i wrote what everyone went through yeah me too so chris hemsworth brings pulls up a conch and almost blows on it but doesn't he gets distracted mm-hmm. so he By gets like a ball yeah like he it. gets like a puzzle ball mm-hmm. um dana go is like looking at a diary oh, really? yeah. marty starts looking at some film um kurt has a ball no we did hammering uh holden has a music box that right with the ballerina at. and jules is about to put on a necklace that was on like a bride All mannequin right, yes. which made me think of the haunted mansion in uh-huh. Disney, mm-hmm, yep. where there's that bride mannequin in the corner yeah like mm-hmm. and then you get the like the serial killer bride and yeah. then little leota at the end who's also a bride yeah so yeah um and they're all like like Kurt solving the puzzle, like they're all yeah, very they're all becoming close. completely obsessed and doing things and right. about to do something. And then Dana goes, starts Guys, reading the diary. Look at this, mm-hmm. and she starts reading his diary. That's from basically torture. I wrote torture, torture porn, religious rednecks. Yes, they like worship pain, right? Um, and it includes the great line, but Matthew had a husband's bold, and Marty's <laughs> like. Okay, like we're done here. Like, yeah, husband, like what the hell's wrong? Go, like, let's move. stop reading this. Um, and then she gets, she goes, and then there's a part here in Latin, and they're all like covered around don't her. Say and it. Marty's like, do not. I'm don't drawing say a line. The Latin. He yep. goes, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand. Do not yeah. read the Latin. The Latin. Yeah. But then we hear like this breezy voice that goes, read it. Yeah. And Marty's yeah. like, what the hell is that? So it's implied that because he can hear it, but they well, don't no, really I pay think, attention, or they're being manipulated. Yes, by it's implied it. that they're susceptible to it and right. marty for some reason, reason is not is not mm-hmm. and it's like read it out loud and marty's like somebody's definitely saying something yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so she reads it and while she's reading it you cut to the outside where the family basically that they're talking about the buckners because mm-hmm. we learned it was the old buckner place from the harbinger previously are coming out of the ground and they're zombies, and they one of them looks a lot like Leatherface from um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, they've all got like these torture devices that they're dragging with them, and ba ba ba, and uh, 
Yeah, she should. Long story short, she should not have read the Latin, but she did. Which is when I talk about the Evil Dad remake. There's literally a book that says, "Do not read this. Do not read this. Do not read this." Yeah, and the guy reads it out loud. Right? Yeah, and then just like, and then they do because they're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, at least here it shows that they're being manipulated. Um, so after the Buckners rise, we get the celebration down in the ops room right. because that's what they were betting on. Right. They- what monster it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lynn mentions to the security guard that everything in their stables is remnant of the old world. It's right. like courtesy of the old world because um, the security guard mentions like, oh, they're like the things of nightmares. And she's like, no, they are nightmares. Like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they're from the ancient times, and I actually wrote down why is this German guy even working there because he's so opposed to everything. But also, I guess if it's your first time and what yeah. you're basically doing there, it's mm-hmm. yeah. But also, I wanted to mention that becomes important later is that uh, what is his name Hadley? Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about he's just like I just want one time to be the merman. <laughs> yeah, and it's implied that the merman is uh, what we- will get summoned if you blow the conch because yeah. he mentions that it was in his hand. Like they were right. so close to getting mm-hmm. the merman, and he really, really wants it. And no. um, the other guy, Silverson, Sitterson, Sitterson, is like you. They're terrifying. Clean up a bitch. Clean up a bitch. You do not want this. <laughs> um, but they talk about how the Buckners are effective. Yeah. And we kind of flash to like these monitors that show mm-hmm. places that are failures. Yep. And Japan is Japan still going is strong, strong. And they, you know, in there, it's like a very, very J horror ghost right. that is terrorizing <laughs> these children. Schoolgirls, yes. Um, these little schoolgirls. And uh, it's funny because, like, you know, watching The Grudge, like, it's very, very, I, and even The Ring, it's really right. very, very J horror. Right. Um, but then it it really brings up to, and when you see later in the film, all the other like failure sites, right? The idea that if this ritual is being performed, and no. it's like they say it's it's later they'll say it's it's specific to the culture, right? And to the times. Mm-hmm. So like, absolutely, I I appreciate that because it's like. So does that? Imp- well, I don't know if we want to get into this now. So maybe maybe later. Okay. Because that's like, you know, our horror is different from Japanese horror and stuff like that. Yeah. um, So now we get Jules dancing all sexy in front of the fire. I literally wrote Jules dancing like a weirdo. Yeah. And Holden has put on glasses now. Yeah. And Kurt is acting real boorish. So they're kind of like falling into Into these like roles. roles. Um, Marty has this theory and Kurt's like, well, Jules and I are getting out of here. And he calls Holden an egghead. Mm-hmm. And, like, mentions that he's going to divergenize Dana. Right. Yeah. So now it's set up that you've got, right. like, the nerd and the virgin. Right. Um, along with the jock and, like, the cheerleader type. The whore. The whore. Um, and Marty says, everyone's acting weird. He's yeah. like, why is Kurt Cullen holding an egghead? He's a, I think he's a psychology student or a philosophy student. Something like that, yeah. Like, he's on a scholarship, too. Like, he's on an academic scholarship. Yeah. Um, and like everyone's dismissing him, and he he says we're puppeteers. Yeah, he calls out the puppeteer thing, and um, uh, I I noted that while they're talking, the wolf is like right between the two of them, so it's kind of a cool shot. And he's st- the wolf is still there when you see Mart after she walks away, and he talks about the puppeteer, and he says we are not who we are. 
So that's all foreshadowing. And then she's like, puppeteers? And he goes, Pop-Tarts? You have some Pop-Tarts? Because <laughs> he's high. Because he's high. But like we go back to the couch and Holden's reading the book the in Latin. Again. And she's like, you can read Latin? And he's like, yeah, I guess I can. So yep. it's like more so them falling into those roles. Absolutely. Um, and then you cut to, well, they talk to each other a little bit and there's like flirtation going on. So you can see that it's being sort of set up between the two of them. And I don't know if anything else significant happens when they I think talking. they just start kissing. Yeah, they start kissing. And then you cut to Jules and Kurt in the woods. Yeah. Uh, and they're running through the woods and they start kind of implying that they're going to try to have sex. But then Jules doesn't want to. Right. Uh, and we go to like the ops room where all the men are like watching and they're yeah. like, okay, guys, get out. Yeah. <laughs> but then, of course, they enjoy watching it too. Um, and they pump because she said she didn't want to have sex. They pump more like, like pheromones, pheromones yeah. in, in there. So they're basically manipulating like yeah. her, like being like what would be considered a whore. Like, right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they the pheromones missed, and they then they they go to a clearing, and now she's in the mood, so they start actually having sex, and you cut back to the ops room where Hadley and the other guy are like hoping to see her boobs, like and all of this stuff, and Truman's kind of disgusted by that, right? But then the, Hadley, they basically say it's not just us watching, yeah, absolutely, um, and so you get to the point where she. Like, actually fully undresses, and she opens her shirt, she's not wearing a bra, you see her boobs or whatever. And uh, then one of the Buckners appears. Yeah, she, like, puts her hands down, and somebody oh, yeah, stabs, stabs her, her through the hand. Yeah, and it's, like, the Buckner who looks like Leatherface, I think, and has the big sword. And... They end up, they, they kill her. They yeah, no, I mean, there's a, a little scramble where they're, like, dragging... They're dragging Kurt away. Yeah. She gets like the one who looks like Leatherface actually has like that bear trap, right? That's the one who. Oh, maybe the bear I'm trap. like, but somebody has that big. The mom, the thing. mother has. Oh, the like, mother the has that. Okay, yeah. so like, oh, there's the scene. He like throws a bear trap at her and like latches yeah, on her back, her and they back. like drag her. Oh yeah, and then they like behead her, and it's just yeah, and she's kind of like kneeling there, and she's fully bare chested and kind of like slayed so mm. it's very very off-putting mm. the whole thing is very off-putting um but after it happens we cut to the operation room and they mm -hmm. kind of say this little like ritual prayer mm -hmm. and they pull a lever and it releases some blood into it like, releases some kind of it wasn't blood or just some kind of so, liquid it i mean people, people like i know people online are convinced that they get the blood from like the kills but if you see it's like a vial that breaks i just yeah, assume like I think they it's just some kind of liquid that i personally think it's blood but i think what i think happened is because they talk about like how they've been modern this people i'm sure they drew blood on them right prior to uh oh yeah so yeah, like yeah, maybe it's just sense. a little vial they their blood that their they're blood. breaking yeah and it falls into like this well, how would you describe it? Like, like these pre-made lines, and yeah. you kind of you can kind of see that it's like an outline of a person, but like you don't really right. know. You, what you it don't is. know what it is yet. Yeah. Um, Marty's in his room, and he's hearing voices telling him to go for a walk, mm -hmm. and he acknowledges that he's hearing these voices. But since yeah. he's stoned, he's like, "I'm gonna go for a Maybe walk." Maybe I should go for a walk. <laughs> and as he walks out in the room, Dana and holds it or make it out of the couch, and he walks past him, and he goes, "He has a husband bulge." <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like dana pulls away and she's like oh i just I, I i've never and then she's like what do you mean what do i mean i 
I've not never yeah, like like she's not actually a virgin like it's, right you know they imply that but right. I guess you know she's and, the virginal type yeah but then she's like all shy and she's like shocked that she's being yeah. shy so like Dana is like picking up on things too like right. a little bit yeah um and when Marty's outside he doesn't see the stars mm-hmm. and he's just standing there and he's like going to pay and like you can see patience the little girl yep. creeping up behind mm-hmm. him <sighs> Yeah, and then it's like she's getting closer and closer, and then Kurt comes running Kurt out, comes and out. he's like, "We yeah. need to get inside," and yep. they like kick patients. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Kurt's like, "We need to go. We need to go." Like, you know, they kill Jules. Tina's like, "I need. Where's Jules? Where's Jules?" And she opens the door, it. and then the Leatherface guy's there. Yeah, and he like throws her Jules' head. Yeah. Oh yeah, decapitation. So more decapitation. We really do love to do themes <laughs> between the two movies that we do every time we record. <laughs> They're a big old zombie casually tossing that head. Yep. And then they they barricade themselves inside. And this is where, like, Kurt says, okay, we need to be, we need to barricade everything up and we have to stay together. And then you cut to the facility again and they're like, oh, no, we can't. We can't no, have no, this. No. So as they're walking in a different part of the cabinet, they release some more gas, of like some kind of drugging gas that makes him stay, like, he turns around and he goes, no, we need to we, split up. We should split up to cover more ground, which is like a, a thing that people always say in these movies. We need to cover more ground. And it's like, no, you need to stay together. <laughs> but it's like implied like that's why it's happening because it's the situation's being manipulated. Yeah, absolutely. But I just wanted to call out that that because people always say that to right. cover more ground. It's always the dumbest right. choice. And Marty's like, that that doesn't make any sense. Yep. But like Holden and Dana are like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Marty goes into his room and he discovers the camera in the right. light and like he they thinks, lock them in the rooms though. right like they, they, like, immediately they like, lock turn off the lights lock them in the rooms and he thinks he's on reality tv he's like yes, I, i'm on a reality tv show he's like my parents are gonna think yeah. i'm a big bird <laughs> oh, like, got news oh, for you marty <laughs> got news for you but they're um like because he's realizing stuff they want to like pump thorazine i think they say yeah. into his room but, but they stop they because stop they it. see one of the Bucknerds is coming up to his mm-hmm. window Judah, to get him. Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets stabbed in the back and kind of mm-hmm. drags through the wood. Dragged out, yeah. And we see him like go into like the grave that Judah came out of. Yeah. So he, for all intents and purposes, yeah. Is and we dead. we see a spurt of blood, mm-hmm. and they pull the lever. Yeah. But when they pull the lever this time, like downstairs, like there is that rumble, like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I noticed that. The yeah, time that so right. there's a little rumble, um, and now we flash back to the cabin, and yep. the Buckners are trying to get through the windows. Dana's being attacked. Holden breaks the two-way weir- two-way mirror to get her out. Right, and um, as they lift up the bed to barricade themselves, they discover that other basement, that other thing. Right, and I actually. Um, Dana gets him. Like, she kills him. And I forget what she says. She says, like, you like pain or whatever. Yeah. Like, here's, how's that working for you? And I literally wrote Dana the Bad. Yeah, because they end up in this basement. They realize it's, like, the black room that mm-hmm. Patience had written about in her diary. About. And Dana kind of, like, she's kind of, like, giving up hope at this point because she's like, this is where he kills us. And Holden's yeah. like, hey, we're not going to die. And then Holden gets attacked. Mm-hmm. And Dana, like, crowbars him. And she, like, stabs him. Mm-hmm. And she basically, like, if not kills, but right. incapacitates you know, like him. him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they do, like, a little electrical surge to the knife in the control room to make her drop the knife. Yeah. So she's weaponless. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and oh yeah, Kurt finds them yes. and they run out. Um, but I have a note here. I don't know if it cuts back to the facility exactly here, but they end up looking at the J- Japan. Well, because they get into the um, RV and yeah. as they're leaving in the RV, it pans down the RV and you see the bloody handprints on the door mm-hmm. implying like something had gotten in the RV with them. Oh, I totally missed that. Okay. I totally missed that. Um, but yeah, no, then it cuts back to the, the facility and we're seeing that Japan has failed. Yeah, because like the kids defeated the ghost yeah, and turned they turned into, into a frog. frog. I love it. And they were like, they're, "It's a bunch of nine year olds. Yeah. How did it defeat? You know, how did it's they so defeat?" Because they're like, "Now the spirit of the angry ghost will live in this frog forever." <laughs> and it's so cute. It's such a cute moment. They should have gone with the grudge type lady. Yeah, she leaves no survivors. All they need to do is just no. waltz into her room, and then she would have been like, "There's your job, bam, on the floor." <laughs> that's what she does. Uh, so now they're going, they're escaping in the RV. Right. But also, sorry, still in the, uh, the op room. Um, okay. they want to know what's going on with Marty. Cause they feel like he's not like right. he's not. And they don't know how Marty is like picking up on things. Mm-hmm. And Lynn basically says, she's like, well, it doesn't matter. He's out of play now. Yeah. But it's like, they're like, how did he pick up? Right. And they're it's like, that. um, so yes, they're trying to escape. And they come, they're coming up on the tunnel, and the tunnel is open. Right. And the scientists mentioned that their humanity's last hope at this point. Right. So this now is, Japan has failed. Right. So now we're we're seeing that this is not just for fun. That there's yeah, there's there's real consequences. Yeah, to like there's going something on. going on. You know, mm-hmm. that's not just we need to watch these five young adults get killed. Right. Right. And then they all go into like panic emergency mode because they say that the, the t- tunnel should be blocked by like there should have been an explosion like a rock fall, fall, and yeah. a rocks fall. And so they're all freaking out. They're getting t- closer and closer to the tunnel. The silver, I can't remember his name. Sitterson. Sitterson runs to like the electrical engineers and they're like, it's not our fault. We never got the order, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm going to get this. We have to make the the rocks fall and they're driving through the tunnel and finally he gets two um electrical wires together and makes it happen so they're forced to drive like back out of the tunnel when once it like caves in right and they're kind of they're standing at so holden kurt and dana are standing at the end of this edge of this gorge and they're like Mm -hmm. looking and they realize they can't hike down yep and they're just like it's so close it's right there and Kurt gets this idea because his motorcycle is on the back of the mm-hmm. RV. He gets this idea to jump the gorge. Right. Very Springfield. Which, you know, I mean, did not work for Homer. So, yeah. But, I mean, he gets on this. I love this part. He gets on the bike and he gives him this whole big speech. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very, like, hero speech. Yep. Like, I sit there and I'm like, this is why they cast yes. this guy as And Thor. we're going to do this for Jules. Yeah. He's like, I'm coming back with a lot of fucking cops. Yeah. And a lot of, like, yeah. and he's like, for Jules. And he gets on that bike and he rides off and he jumps the gorge and he hits into the barrier. It hits into the digital barrier. Oh, it's so heroic. And, and he immediately hits. falls down the gorge. And just bam, 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 yep. bam, bam. Done. And he's gone. But it's... It was so heroic. Mm-hmm. My, my Thor. Yeah. My Thor. Mm-hmm. And Data and Holden are obviously just like, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Dana's like, Holden's like, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. What did he hit? Yeah. Cause, and Dana's like, 
oh, fuck, Marty was right. Yeah. Shit's going down. Yeah. <laughs> like, like something's going on. There's, yeah. a pu- there's a, our puppeteers. Yeah. Dana's here. starting to realize that mm-hmm. there's shit going down. Absolutely. Um, and she's getting very hopeless now. And Holden's like, we need to stick together. Like, we'll drive back to the cabin. Yeah, they're in the back in the RV right. now. And he's like, we'll just keep driving. Like, we'll find a road. We'll get out of here. Yeah, and she's and like, she's they'll like, just block the road. She's like, you don't get it. Yeah. And he goes, you can't go crazy on me now. And so she kind of, like, dismisses her own doubts. Right. Or at least just shuts up because she knows he's not going to believe her. Right. And he, like, impl- he goes, like, I, I forget what he says. He's like it's just the two of us now where it's like yeah. you're the only person i have left or something mm-hmm. and then he gets a knife stuck through his throat yep then he gets a knife <laughs> through the throat because somebody one of the buffners is on the rv as yes. you mentioned before um yeah so i actually put uh oh they go back to she fights with buckner yeah cuz after the rv crashes yeah. in the lake and she um they they they're in the water. He gets her by the foot, and she gets she out. She gets away. She gets up, and now they're all part. Like they're all really right, happy. Right. She like in makes the, it in the facility in the she, op- in the ops room. She makes it to the dock, and yeah. the last Buckner is standing there waiting for her, and he's mm-hmm. kind of like attacking her. And as that's happening, we flash mm-hmm. to the ops room where they're like and they're partying, having a big party. and Truman's like, "It's not over," and he's like, and Holden goes. Not Holden, sorry. Hadley goes, yeah, the virgin's death is optional. Mm-hmm. Like, it just needs to be less. Like, yep. And he's like, he kind of does like this whole big like speech that Dana just has to suffer. Yeah. And he's like waxing poetic that he was really rude and yeah. her because she has It really heart. betrays and that he's, like, he saying cares. This, yes. And then all of a sudden someone walks in. He's like, tequila. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. And it's so... The juxtaposition of them partying while you see her getting murdered right. in the background on the on the dock is just crazy. So yeah, she's oh, and I even wrote that Dana getting the shit beat out of her yeah. juxtaposed with party scene. I said, just wrote they party while she dies. Yeah. At this point, I thought she was gonna die. Right. Um, and I, I wrote, I said Dana equals final girl. Yeah. Um, so they're talking to um, whoever and whoever was supposed to blow the the bridge. The blow, yeah. blow the tunnel and they said there was a glitch upstairs yeah. and they're like what do you mean upstairs yeah that was silver citizen citizen damn it and um, <laughs> there's just so many moments in this movie that just have such witty dialogue that i uh-huh. just love um i lost my turn oh so then a red phone starts ringing and everyone's mm-hmm. like yeah, and turn uh, the music off. Yeah, yeah. Hadley like stops everything, right. goes to answer the phone, and starts talking about who was it. He's like, "What, what did we do wrong? About? Everything was done by the book." Yeah, and then we see Marty. Yep, Marty is still alive, and he saves Dana on the dock. Yep, and I wrote Marty for the win. Yeah, and he kind of like he says to Dana like, "I, I like not that he knows what's going on, but mm. he like." He's like, we need to go. Like, come yeah. here. And like, he takes her to the grave and she's like, Marty, we're getting in the grave. And yeah. he's like, no, there's something else. And he found like a hatch. Yeah. He found like a, a, a entry to the facility. Right. And he's like, and he's, we see that he, first of all, Judah is like in pieces and he <laughs> yeah, goes, I had to hack that guy. He, he goes, I had to dismember that guy with a trowel. <laughs> and Judah's just like, with his arm (laughs) he's like hi um and we see marty has like an electrical panel open so it's implied that whatever he did there glitched out the right 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 
Um, and he, Marty said he's discovered an elevator that he can get to go down. Right. So they get in the elevator and they go down and I love this scene. Yeah, it's really cool. This is where we get to see all these monsters. We have like a werewolf come out of them. They're in right. like a glass cube. Yeah, they're like in a glass cube and they're going like right to right. left. And they're seeing like the wraiths. The and race. they're seeing like the guy with the orb who looks like Hellraiser. Right, but then, then we have that moment where they're stopped and he and Marty is looking at the ballerina who's facing away oh, from yeah. him. And she's looking at the puzzle man and she sees the thing he's holding and she's is like, ball they wrong. made us choose. choose and as die. she's seeing that, the ballerinas turn around towards Marty and she's just and literally she's all just teeth. like, yeah. And he's like, what? And he turns around and he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, they made us choose how we die. Yeah. And we see them just standing there, and all these cubes moving, and there's just a shit. Yeah, ton there's of all monsters. of these different ways you could go, and it's and they're so all good. horror trippy. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, and this is when we find out we flash back to the ops room. They're looking for mm-hmm. them. They know they have to be in this elevator. Right. Um, Lynn figures out that the pot. The marijuana that Marty was smoking is right. somehow immunizing it, like, yes. him so, to like, what they're doing. Right. So that's why it was going on. So they're trying to do damage control. They're calling in security. They're like, it doesn't matter. Like, he has to die first. You can kill both mm-hmm. of them, but he has to he die has first. He has to die first. Um, and you see them in the elevator and they're kind of like holding each other. So yeah. I wrote down, like, is it supposed to be the two of them now? Like, what's going on? And um, they bring the elevator down, and the security guy walks in, and he gets grabbed by Judah's hand, so he gets distracted enough that they can, like, hit him on the head and escape. Right, and then they get up, they get into the elevator bank, like, in the actual facility, and you start hearing a voice coming over a loudspeaker talking about how, like, telling them, like, look, you have to, like, we're sorry, but you have to die because right. it, there's bigger things at stake than you know. And I knew right away, I was like, that's Sigourney Weaver's voice. Right. Like, I knew exactly who it was, which is interesting because she was Ripley in the Alien franchise. So that's another callback to something else. And then they end up having, like, a bunch of people, they get into some sort of control room, and there's a bunch of guys with guns who are now trying to shoot at them. And Dana is like, we got to do something. And she sees this big red button. Which will be my big thing about this movie. Why do they even have that button? Yeah, they should not. They should not have that button. That's a terrible button. But she presses the button and effectively releases all of the monsters from the boxes where when the elevator was underground or whatever. And this is why I like this movie so much. This scene of carnage that follows is so good. I... Yeah, it it, it, it is, it's, it's a lot. It what is I wrote down lot. is that it's a lot. Um, especially when they first flash back to like after the carnage is basically done in that one area and it's so bloody. Like it's just so bloody. And you see the two like zombie figures like sort right. of um scavenging eating, and yeah. eating. And I was like, that is a lot. And then, like, you just see all of this carnage, like, all of these ghosts chasing people, like, these, like, monsters chasing people down. There's this one point when you see, and this really got to me, where you see on the monitors one of the security guards, like, puts a gun to her head. And then you actually see her shoot herself. Yeah. And I was like whoa <laughs> but this this these scenes that follow yep. because we get a bunch of like carnage throughout the facility mm-hmm. um 
it's so good because you see so many supernatural tropes. Yeah. You know which one kills me is like, and it's it's not even focused on. It's like there's a guard crawling away, and you never see this. It's like a young girl, an adolescent girl, in like what looks like a white hospital gown, uh-huh. almost walking towards him slowly, like just yeah. like stalking him, and like it's never acknowledged, it's never focused on. Yeah. But she's singing like "Hush, Little Baby," mm-hmm. and like as she's stalking him, and it's just so good because it's like such. There's so many supernatural tropes yeah. that are just like, like everywhere you look. Like the one that got to me was that weird deformed guy who like crawls up to the camera and goes like this. Yeah. And I couldn't see what his face was supposed yeah. to be. That was really weird. But you get like scarecrow people, you get mm-hmm. like the stranger people from like Yep. Um, you get like witches and ghosts and angry trees yeah. and like bats everywhere and, you look is something oh, from a horror movie. You get the unicorn stabbing the person. Oh, yeah, where's the unicorn? Like a never-ending story. No, I. I mean, I think it's, it's just, just like a thing, like a, a trope. And uh, I mean, we see clowns. Oh uh, yeah, there's that scary clown guy. Yeah, you know, and it's like it's just carnage. There's like a big snake. There's a ravenger from um, Serenity and Firefly. Yeah, it's, it's like there's so many like many things supernatural tropes, look. and it's just I. I just love it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Yeah. For for me, it was it. I I get what you're saying, and it's totally true. But like, I was surprised at how kind of disturbed I was by the actual carnage of that scene because I was not. It just goes on for a long time, and it's so bloody and it's so like that. I was like slightly disturbed by it. I'm not gonna lie, but that's not a bad thing. It's a horror movie. Like you're supposed to actually be scared. But I was just like, wow, this shit is a lot. <laughs> um. And then we get to the part where they're all in the control room or whatever. Oh, no, no. First, we see patients coming down in oh, the elevator. Comes down, and I wrote down, oh, Jesus, patients. Like, why? Patients like, hey. But, you yeah, know, we start to see in the control room, like, security's not answering. Like, right. they're trying to get a hatch open. Um, the door gets broken in. And Truman is, like, overwhelmed by, like, these zombies. Mm-hmm. So he pulls a grenade. Yeah, which knocks Hadley back. Yeah, and then great scene. Yeah, we get the mist and we hear the squelching, Chin. and it's the merman. And it's the merman. Oh. He's so gross looking. My God, he's it's so not gross a, looking. It's not like King Triton. It's a really gross and fish he man. Goes to town on Hadley, uh, he and like him. his blood's like spurting mm-hmm. out of the blowhole. Yep. Oh my God, poetic, it is poetic, so poetic. good. I love it. And he's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, he, he gets the irony of it. And it's like, Sitterson finally gets the hash open. As just as about to go down, Lynn gets like pulled up by like an octopus tent. Yeah, so she's yeah. gone now, too. Gone. So like, Sitterson's like running through that like tunnel underneath the hatch. Mm. And he turns a corner only to get stabbed yeah, by, by Dana. Dana. And he says to her, kill him. Yeah. Which I don't know if I'm still a little confused about that. Like, who does he mean? Marty. Oh, Marty, Marty, Marty. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm a Dumbo. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, he's saying... He's saying to kill Marty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I don't know why that went over my head. Yeah, so it's like Marty and Dana walk around and they find the room that has all the portraits with, yeah. like, the bloods that we were seeing the yeah, blood the dripping. Yeah, the outlines of the archetypes. she realized that it's 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 supposed to be them. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver shows up. She's the director, right. which they, they've talked about her. 
and she talks about how like she's basically giving all of the right she's like you we have to fulfill these archetypes like she says it's different it's changed but it requires it always requires youth it's between every culture because marty's like what what happened to just like you know bending someone over an altar and taking out their heart and stuff um but she talks about the archetypes Mm -hmm. the whore the the athlete the the fool the the, um i guess intellectual i don't know i can't remember the scholar scholar. the virgin and dana goes oh yeah but i'm not a and she She goes we work work with what we have have. (laughs) which is great (laughs) yeah so she's just like the virginal type yeah but and you can see how they were forcing them into that archetype so you have to think if if jules was drugged to slower her cognition and um kurt was drugged to also slower his cognition maybe something like she was drugged to make her be shyer right be more reserved right yeah you know and if jules was struck to make her less inhibited and stuff like that because like marty does mention that he doesn't jules doesn't act like this yeah and like neither does kurt when they're drunk like it's, it's implied they like, just need five people right. and they need to mold them into the right. things that work and sigourney weaver basically says uh if we don't do this the ancient ones who are sleeping beneath yeah. us are gonna rise and they're yeah, gonna they're gonna kill everybody. everyone on earth so again it's a trolley problem it's right. like you know do you sacrifice five for the good of everyone? right but even then like dana's given the option if yeah. you kill marty everything will be fine yep and she's gonna do it yeah like she's, she's convinced she's debating it um and then marty doesn't tell her that there's a werewolf behind her yeah yeah so dana gets attacked by the werewolf mm-hmm. and like gets the gun knocked out of her hand and like their struggle and yep. then sigourney weaver's trying to kill marty uh, well marty shoots the werewolf to get it off yeah. of dana and then, and then the werewolf goes for sigourney weaver no uh what happens maybe the werewolf does go for sigourney weaver i have here um i don't remember well, no i have it i, I have it here uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Damn, I wrote it down somewhere. She gets killed by the werewolf. No, she gets killed by patience. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Wrong she again, dies. Kristen. Yeah. I'm just l- listen. I'm having a bad day. <laughs> so they're struggling, and like her and Marty are struggling. The pa- the director and Marty are struggling, yeah. and like patience comes down, and Marty sees it and like rolls over. So mm-hmm. the director gets axed and then he kicks them over the side you know right and then they're just sitting there talking and dana's like i'm sorry i almost killed you yeah and he's like it's okay and then they talk to talk about how like kurt didn't even have a gun. no no they're like maybe the world just needs a restart yeah and then she goes I don't even think Kurt had a cousin. <laughs> yep. And then just a giant hand comes giant out. Giant hand comes out and so kills everybody. A so giant hand comes out and it's like goes through the cabin. Cabin and, and it's implied that the, the entire rise yeah. and the world ends. And that was that Cabin was in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods, everybody. Uh, so why don't you wax a little bit more poetic about how much you love this so, movie? So I love this movie because it really poses, which most horror movies don't, it poses the question of A, what would you do mm-hmm. be the ethical and the ethical ramifications of what is done see um how do people become desensitized to seeing such mm-hmm. horrors because we have like truman who's like this is horrible you people yeah. are horrible and lynn even says at one point she's like people are just trying to blow us steam mm-hmm. and it's like they are x to do terrible yeah, things. Horrible things like if we just look at this 
this facility, mm-hmm. the American facility, yeah. their ex to basically murder four, sometimes five people. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and it's like, you can justify all you want that it's for the good of everyone. But how do you deal with that weight on your conscience? Yeah, absolutely. And the way that they do have to be murdered, you mm-hmm. know, that they need to suffer. There needs yeah. to be pain. Right. As opposed to just giving someone something that would make them fall asleep and never wake back right. up again. Right, right, right. Um, and if you were in Dana's shoes, would you shoot, shoot Marty to save the whole world? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Again, it's the trolley pro- problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. You kill one somebody that you know very well to save many, you know. Yep. Or what, do you, you know, let them live and live with the consequences? Right. Yep. No, I I get all of that, and I like this movie. I liked it a lot, but there were there were a couple of things that kept me from loving it as much as you do. And the first thing is absolutely not actually. Yeah, the first thing is absolutely not the movie's fault. Part of the issue for me was, and this this is absolutely also not your fault, but like I got really excited because you loved it so much, and I had never seen it before. I had heard people talking talked about how great the movie was, and like after having watched Sleepy Hollow, which I've seen dozens upon dozens of times, I was like excited to crack into this because it was new to me, and so that all made the hype a little bit high. You know, it set the bar a little bit high for me. But it's also the fact that, um, and this again is not the movie's fault, but have you ever seen the movie Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Uh, no, but I've heard parts of it. Okay. So I saw that movie not too long ago. And that movie basically does the same thing that Cabin in the Woods is trying to do, which is to take down these horror trips. And I friggin' loved that movie. That movie is so well done. Like it's based, all of the horror in it is based on a series of misunderstandings that are so well executed. And it's so much tighter than this movie. Because one of my biggest problems with this movie is that the lore of it is huge. Like the whole thing about like the ancients underground and we have to have these facilities and they have to fit these things. And all. Like it's so big. And Tucker and Dale manages to to take down horror tropes in a way that doesn't require any of that. Right, but I think extra stuff. I think you're missing the fact that they're showing why I'd be I, I like what I take away from this movie is they're showing like the why behind the horror movie. So you have right. these horror movies that have like like I said, what screen burdens up if you're the virgin, like you survived to the end of the movie. Yeah. Don't say I'll be right back because you're not going to be right back. Right. So it's saying all these horror movies are similar because it's all part of this big ritual. Yeah, no, and I get that, and it is smart. But then there's also the fact. That that is true because those movies are relying on archetypes so that you understand what's happening. Like, that's the full-on explanation. Like, it doesn't need all of this crazy lore and rituals that have to go this particular way because of these ancient gods and ba-ba-ba. Like, the only reason why that is true is because we as a society in our popular culture have the archetypes of the whore, the virgin, the scholar, the joker, and those or the fool and the horror movies rely upon that old popular cultural knowledge to telegraph to you what's happening in the movie like that's the full-on explanation you don't really need any more than that and this movie goes into such lengths to explain it to you with this crazy lore 
part of it. I don't know. I like the lore because I, I, I think like, no, I, I, no, no, I, I think I the, think the justification is worth it. W- within within the context of the film, like when you're watching the movie, it does work, and I'm and I'm saying that to you. But it just like when you really think about it, it's so much dressing, it's so much icing on the cake that like I feel like you don't necessarily need. But one of the other things I wanted to bring up, but I mean that's the whole point of the movie. Is that the reason you need all this is because that's what the ancient ones demand. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's like, you you know, you know, the old saying, the Coco Chanel saying of like, look in the mirror and take one thing off before you leave the house. Like this movie could take several things off of itself to basically do what it's trying to do. Um, But, you know, I, I know you just disagree with me. I totally get it. But the one other thing I wanted to bring up and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because you understand this film, I think, a little bit more than I do because you've seen it a bunch. But they talk so much about, like, it's the ritual. It has to happen in this such a, such a way. But when Kurt dies, he does not die by the hand of the thing that he chose to kill him. He dies because he hits the digital wall and falls. So... I really wonder if by this movie's own logic, they actually accomplished things since the death of Kurt, because he did not die by the death that they collectively chose. Well, I mean, it's debatable that saying that, okay, because he didn't die via the hands of the Buckners, but at the same time, he died. He died because of the situation. The thing, but they say if they don't transgress, they can't be punished. Like he made the conscious effort to go into the basement. He made the conscious effort to not stop Dana when she was reading that book. The reason he died was because they did all those actions. Right. And And also, it, it makes me wonder if like they're supposed to die in archetypal ways. Right. So, like, Jules gets killed while she's having sex. Right? Mm-hmm. Marty gets killed while he's doing something foolish. He has his back to the window. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Same thing with um Kurt. He gets killed doing something jockey. Like, does that qualify because he gets killed in an archetypal way <sighs> as a result that. of what he did? I get that, but like he also dies in a way that betrays what's happening. And they're not supposed to know what's happening. Like, it's a whole big deal that Marty is figuring stuff out. It's a whole big deal because they think they're going to defeat the evil. Like, they think they're going to be able to fight off the Buckners if they know what's coming. The whole thing is, and it shows you, like, when they make smart choices, they make it so those choices don't happen. When they say we should stick together. Mm. They make it so they don't stick together. Right. And it's because if you're together and if somebody's figuring stuff out, like the best solution there is for all four of you to be together, you know, and think as a group, what are we going to do? Right. And if Marty is saying is if Marty's being rational saying someone is controlling us, you're going to go to great efforts to figure out how to get out of that control. Right. When Marty is not saying someone's controlling us, it's just pure fear. Yeah, no, I know. But that whole thing, the whole glitch of the system that kills Kurt is what makes Dana start understanding that right. something is happening but, to them, which is bad. But would Dana think that? Because Holden doesn't think of that, remember? No, I know. So would Dana think that if she hadn't talked to Marty? 
if she hadn't been listening to Marty. That's true. Because Holden says, what does he hit? And then that's it. He doesn't question it any further. He doesn't say there has to be something there. Dana only then says we're puppets because that's what Marty said to her earlier. Right. That's true. I, I get that. And it's implied that even when they're in the in the basement, like in the facility, that if he dies first, the ritual is still going to be complete. I think it's more for, and what they talk about, like that the virgin yeah. has to suffer, that there has to be suffering behind the deaths. But here's the thing. If that is true, that ultimately Marty just needs to die before she does, and it's like Kurt just died in whatever way he died, then why can't you just put them all in a room, kill the first four, torture the girl and decide whether or not you're going to kill her. And that way you never run into these problems. But I think, I mean, I think this is the first time they ran into the problem because of Marty with his whole pot thing. Um, but it's implied that the ancient ones like a show. Remember? Cause they say we're not the only ones watching. Right. Okay. But then, I, and that doesn't always work because they had those nine year olds trapped in a room with the, yeah, the and spirit like and they lived. It can fail. But also, that begs the question of, like, why is this the only scenario they have going on? Why don't they have, like, five sets of five teens going to five different cabins, all playing it out, so that at some point, like, you that, end up getting the five dying. I mean, at the same time, it's hard way. enough to ask people to kill five people, let alone possibly but, like, 15, the 20. don't give a shit. Yeah, but the people who are actually doing the killing do. Yeah, no, I know, but like if they're going to be desensitized to all these things and they want to make sure that this works so that everybody doesn't die, why is there no safety? But I think the safety is that you have the different sites doing it. You have the different countries doing it. That's the safety right there. But that safety doesn't work, so why do you not but have... It's implied that this is the first time the safety has... Well, obviously, this is... Japan has a perfect record. They mention that over and over again. Japan has a perfect record. But nobody record. else does, so why is well, there some sort of... The United States is number two, but that's what the fail-safe is. We're shown that all these countries failed. I. It's implied that this doesn't happen, that normally these countries don't fail. You mm-hmm. know? No, I get, I get it. I don't know, but like those were the those were the reasons why in my head I couldn't completely fall in love with this movie. Right, I, the fail safe that a lot of which has nothing to do with the movie. Like I was constantly comparing it to that other movie in my head because I couldn't help myself, you know, because I saw that other movie first and I loved it. So I was like, I couldn't help myself but to compare the two because they're ultimately trying to do the same thing. So I don't think so. I think. Tucker and Dale is showing more comedic aspect to the heart that it's just a series of wacky misunderstandings and mm-hmm. accidents where this is showing in a, a situation that's actually argued uh, that's actually manipulated to be the stupid tropes that we're used right. to. You know, they're no. manipulating the situation as and- opposed to Tucker and Dale, where it's just a series of misunderstandings, right. trippings, like accidental killings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This the situation is being physically manipulated. Right. No, and I I get that. I just think when I think a lot about the lore of it, I get kind of bogged down and stuff. And it sort of takes away from like it takes away from the story itself the way it's mm-hmm. being presented if that makes sense i don't know if i'm like making sense but like that that's those are the things that kept me from like completely falling for it but i do like it i like what it's doing i had a lot of fun watching it 
I think it's a good movie. Uh, it's just that like you love it so much and I'm just not there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh, I feel like you're blaming me for loving it, Kristen. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> Why do you hate me I now? don't hate you. <laughs> Why do you think I hate you? We're allowed to disagree. I don't know. I just feel like you're so disappointed. I'm not disappointed. <laughs> it's good. I liked it. I'd watch it again. <laughs> it's a movie. I really don't care. <laughs> I just like the movie. Mm-hmm. I love me some snappy dialogue. Yep. Well, it's just weed news. No for that. Yeah. So, all right. So, so we should rate it. Yeah, you should. You go first. So okay. So what are we gonna? What are we gonna put for the thing? Merman. Oh, merman. Okay. So for the scariness factor out of five merman, I'll give it. I'm gonna give it a three point five because it's not like there's a lot of it that doesn't get to me, but I'm just like that whole carnage scene, especially when that lady kills herself. Like, that shit's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it did get to me in a certain way. As an overall movie, I'm going to give it a 2.5 to a 3. Merman. Merman out of 5 Merman. So, for scariness, I'd probably give it... I'm trying to think about when I first started in theaters, how scared I was. Mm-hmm. So, I would probably give it about a... Probably about a 3 Merman out of 5. Okay. Because I will say... um in the in the theaters, like the carnage scene was very like you know, mm. but like a lot of the, a lot of the scariness, like you get the thing with the the, you see like the Buckners coming up on them because you get mm. the the op side of it that oh the Buckners are coming now like right. you know, um, for a movie how do I like it as a movie mm-hmm. definitely for four point five. Gotcha. I love this movie. Yep. I don't care that you don't like it. <laughs> I don't dislike it. I like it. Because I can't I get to your level this of This is such a good movie. It. it is a good movie. <laughs> I, really, I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No, I get you. So. Okay, so there, there's another episode. Yeah, so that was The Cabin in the Woods. Yep. Um, the next episode we will be looking at insidious yes yep so get ready for that i've never seen that one so i'm interested to i've seen it i know that's the whole deal though you're the veteran so i'm interested to see because i've heard that it's pretty pretty scary i don't know what you think about it i'm trying to think when i saw it in theaters again yeah there was some some uh it's more like this was more like a zombie horror mm-hmm. that's more ghosty, ghosty you know right. there's a difference between movies where there's like an actual physical um presence threat versus and a, supernatural a, met- a supernatural well i mean zombies are supernatural but a metaphysical yeah, but, presence but like you can touch a zombie right like, like an, you, in, in, an intangible presence. yes yes so there, there's always a difference in movies like that right so yes, that will be our next yes, movie. That's our next movie. Uh, I don't know where you can watch it, but I'm sure you can figure, we'll it, figure out. it out. Um, yeah. If you would like to follow us on social media, we can be found on Instagram at the Nightlight Podcast. Yep, and you can go ahead and email us at the Nightlight Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com, the Nightlight Podcast at gmail.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. And make sure you rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. I think it's yep. just Apple that you can rate and review. Yep. Give us five stars. Give us a little review. If you don't want to give us five stars, just don't review. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think... Uh, oh, yeah. Until next time, this has been Megan. This is Kristen. And remember to leave the nightlight on. Absolutely. See you guys soon. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.